PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It is time right now to remind you that Valentine's Day is right around the corner. It's coming up February 14th. Today is the first. Jimmy Flowers can make it easy with ready-made or custom-designed flower arrangements. Order today at jimmysflowers.com or visit their stores in Bountiful, Layton, or Ogden. That's Jimmy's Flowers. Time to welcome in Andy Bailey. Joining the show once again, he covers the NBA for Bleacher Report. Andy, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Not good, Andy. Do you have a uh, tissue I could use? Because my eyes are <laughs> they're moist right now. I wish I could pass one to you uh, <laughs> cellphonically. Is that a word? It is now. I like I, it. I like it a lot. We like to make up words. My favorite okay, made-up word of all time, anticipointment. You anticipate it, and then there's major disappointment. It's anticipointment. (laughs) I have a lot of anticipointments, so that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. Well, cellophonically, it's pretty good. I'm putting it on the list. (laughs) Joe Ingles hurts his knee. It's as bad as everybody feared it was when they saw it. ACL, out for the year, out for the start of next year. Back sometime next year, and he's a free agent, so back where? Back here, back there. We can worry about that later. Right now, the trade deadline is bearing down on the Jazz, and they have more need than ever now that Joe is hurt, and they have uh, one less asset than ever now that Joe is hurt. How does this change the trade deadline for the Jazz? What are they thinking now? Well, I, you know, my initial reaction was this takes an asset off the board, too, Um but I keep hearing, include. I was listening to Zach Lowe's podcast from ESPN this morning. He thinks they're still going to float Joe Ingles in a first to teams. Um, obviously, Joe Ingles isn't going to report to whatever team would acquire him in that scenario. But he's got you know plenty of uh, money in terms of salary matching that can go out in a deal. And I think whatever team acquires him is just going to want the first round pick anyway. Um, so I'm not sure it's necessarily completely off the table. Uh, I, I think it probably makes it less likely. It sh- sure seems like it should. Um, and I, you know, I've kind of, from the beginning of the trade rumors, I think which really heated up as this losing, you know, stretch started for the Jazz, I always kind of thought it was strange um, that he was brought up so much more than Jordan Clarkson. Um, and maybe it's because Ingles has more value around the NBA. I think that could be part of it. Um, but I, I always kind of felt like if you could move either one of those guys for a defensive upgrade, it might make some sense. Um, there's, I think there's probably a little bit more of a sentimental connection with Ingles and the fan base because he's obviously been there for almost a decade, but there's no sentimental connection between him and Danny Ainge, um, at least not that I know of. So None. I wouldn't be surprised if that's still a possibility. Um, but even even with him... Let's let's say he is off the table. I think they still need to at least look around for some defensive help, and I and I do think there are some options out there with Jordan Clarkson. All right, so Clarkson versus uh, Ingles and a first round pick. Uh, do you think Clarkson brings back more value? Well, I think he probably does now. now. Okay, um, yeah, because Jordan Clarkson. You know, I was one of those guys who last year thought that Joe Ingles was he was the sixth man of the year. Me too. Um, Jordan Clarkson's obviously the leading scorer of the bench unit, and I think that's that's generally closer to the criteria for sixth man of the year. 
but Ingles just did so much. He was such a steady hand, um, basically running that second unit. I felt like he was a little bit more valuable. Um, but there is, there's certainly value in what Jordan Clarkson does. And I think there are plenty of teams around the league who might think, you know, his shooting numbers are down a little bit this year, but that's a guy who can be a spark plug and can randomly get you 25 or 30 points off the bench. And the idea that I floated, um, it's probably been two or three weeks ago now in an article on Bleacher Report, was Clarkson in a first for Marcus Smart. Because um, Boston's offense at that time was, was kind of muddling, um, not great. I think they could have used a bit of a spark plug. And then <laughs> I, I felt like right after that article came out, I started hearing a lot about Joe Ingles in a first for Marcus Smart. Um, so I, I think maybe there is some fire there uh, where, where that smoke is. I don't, I don't know that for sure. Um, it is a little more complicated now with Joe Ingles gone because I think you want somebody who can run the second unit. Maybe you stagger Mike Conley into that second group a little bit more um, than Utah has to do that. But I, I think the overall aim for Utah should still be some more perimeter defense um, because especially during this losing streak, it's, it is abundantly clear that after Rudy Gobert and Royce O'Neal, there, there just isn't a lot of defense on that roster. Clarkson obviously makes sense in a basketball trade, and Joe does not. But how many teams do you think out there weren't looking at a basketball trade? They were looking at a money trade. Uh, PK brought up Portland when we were talking off the air this morning. This is a team that isn't going to be winning anytime soon. The basketball part doesn't matter to them. Cap relief, luxury tax relief, draft picks to help them rebuild. That's what matters to a team like Portland. And how many more teams are there out there like Portland? Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, and, and maybe that's why Joe Ingles' name came up so much, because he was on that expiring contract. And it's basically why he still may be um, – an option at the trade deadline. So I, I think you're certainly on to something there. I don't know specifically how many teams are in that group, uh, but there always seems to be at least four or five um, every year at the deadline. We're thinking, let's get under the tax. Let's speed up this rebuild. Um, and, and an expiring $13 million contract certainly makes sense on that front. Generally speaking, how much movement do you think is going to be at the trade deadline? Um, my answer to this question, I think every year is the default. It's going to be quiet, uh, just because I, you know, I always feel like trades are less likely to materialize, um, than they are to materialize. It's just hard to get a deal done. Uh, I was, I was surprised by some moves last year. I think the Orlando Magic stuff kind of threw me at least the Vucevic part of it, just where he wound up. So there's always surprises out there, um, and I think a difference with this deadline, I, I, we could see a lot of moves. I don't know if there's a ton of like major needle-moving moves, if that makes sense. Yeah. So a, a name we hear a ton this year is Jeremy Grant, and I think he's a he's a fine player, um, certainly serviceable, but I don't think he's a fortune changer uh, necessarily. I, I think he's closer. A good context for him is what he was at the Nuggets a couple of years ago. I don't think he's going to go to some team if he is traded and still score 20 points a game um, and just really change the dynamic of, of either conference. So I think there could be some moves. I just I don't anticipate anything that's like, you know, earth-shattering. The Suns and Warriors established themselves as the best two teams in the West early this year. 
The Jazz were in that group. Obviously, a lot of people have their doubts nationally about the Jazz. We hear that, and it irritates Jazz fans to no end. Now the Jazz have lost 11-13, to and they've really slumped. Memphis has really come on, but then Memphis can't beat Philly when Embiid is out. Is there anybody who's really going to challenge the Suns and Warriors in the West? Yeah, I feel like there, there have been so many stretches this season where parity has just kind of taken over the NBA, which for me is fun because – there was that stretch with the light years warriors where everything was kind of a foregone conclusion. Um, so yeah, there's, there's been a bunch of up and downs for a bunch of different teams this season. And I think that makes the middle fun and competitive. Uh, the answer to the question is I, I do think that when everybody's healthy, uh, Phoenix and golden state have kind of established themselves as a head above. And I might even say Phoenix is, you know, half a head above the warriors. Um, the way that they've played this season has just been so impressive to me. They're they're such a complete team. Uh, it's not a superstar carrying them necessarily. I mean, they obviously have a ton of talent at the top with Chris Paul and Devin Booker, um, but there's so much interchangeability with those forwards and Bridges and Johnson and Jay Crowder. And so I I think they're they're probably my single favorite with Golden State slightly behind them, um, but. <laughs> Having said all that, I, I think there's a bunch of teams in the West where I wouldn't be shocked to see them win a series, and I think Utah is one of those. I, I keep falling back to this number, and, and I think it's fair because Gobert and Mitchell have been out for so long. But when those two are on the floor, Utah is still playing like a juggernaut. And I just looked at the numbers this morning, and they're you know unsurprisingly a juggernaut when Gobert and Mitchell play without Ingles. Um, so I think as long as those two guys are healthy – uh, Utah is going to be a tough out, uh, regardless of who they play. And I, I think the top end talent on a team like, uh, you know, we, we've seen what Luca has done in individual playoff series. That's going to be a tough out. Um, you mentioned the Grizzlies. I think they're onto something. Um, there's a bunch of teams in the West. I mean, think if Jamal Murray comes back in the next month or two, the Nuggets are suddenly going to be real tough. Um, there, there's to me, it's pretty easy to pick the top team or the top two teams in the West right now. But there's, I think there's still going to be a lot of unpredictability and chaos when the playoffs come around. It always matters here because we're always quick to say, "Oh, we got slighted." I'm not sure it matters to me that much, but nevertheless, it does to our listeners. Uh, as far as All Star selection, do they get two, one, or zero? They should get two, um, and. I, I don't blame Utah fans if they felt slighted after the all-star starters were announced. I mean, Rudy Gobert, it, it was abundantly clear to me that he should be a starter, although he's, he seems like he's never going to get the fan vote. Um, and I don't know if you guys know about the K-pop connection with Andrew Wiggins, but that was... Yeah. I, I shouldn't get frustrated about stuff like that, but I, you know, something like that happens where a Korean pop star generates yeah. who knows how many votes for somebody. And I think it's almost like the NBA is trying to make a joke out of certain things <laughs> that are, um, I mean, all-star selections are a big deal for guys legacy-wise, contract-wise, Hall of Fame cases. Um, and I think Gilbert will still get in. I think he's probably more of a lock than Mitchell. Um although I, I do think both will get in. So, you know, he'll still get that notch on his resume. Um, but in terms of impact on the floor, especially over those few months before he was hurt, I mean, he was absolutely a, a dominant force, really, on both ends of the floor. Um, if, if I were to put his 
you know, all-star case next to Andrew Wiggins, it would just blow it out of the water. So I understand uh, the frustration of Jazz fans. They'll probably feel flatted again, even if those two guys are picked, because then we have the all-star draft, which has been fun for Utah players lately. Um, but there's there's always, I think, going to be a little bit of a small market um, bias against those guys within, you know, fan bases, players, whatever it may be. It's There's just a little bit of a disadvantage there. So who's your favorite K-pop artist? <laughs> um, I can't name a single one, but there's there's that group that always comes up on commercials and uh Oh the boy band? My I, I yeah, I have no idea what they're called, but my <laughs> sister in law loves them and my little kids when those commercials come on they say There's Andy's boyfriends and Andy is my sister in law. It's confusing, same name as me, but <laughs> Oh okay. Yeah, my my sixteen year old has pictures of them on notebooks for school. Yeah, that's that's the age of my sister in law too. She's very into that stuff. I need to complain to her about Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> Get right on that. Uh, a little more to the point, though. Donovan Mitchell has missed games with a concussion, and there are a lot of guards in the West that people like, and that could end up getting him left out. Isn't that the the out for the coaches to pick somebody else? I think so. I think you know, obviously Gobert is hurt too. Um, yeah, but he's but like Gobert. You said, there's <laughs> there's a lot of talent um, at those guard positions. And this is, you know, in terms of our all-star selections, this is just a bad time to be hurt. Um, and he's been out a little longer than I think a lot of people may have expected him to with that concussion. So, um, you know, you think about the fact that Booker and Chris Paul aren't starters. There's two guards right there. Um, you know, I, I think he'll probably snag one of those wild card spots at the very least. Um but like you said, there's there's a ton of individual talent uh, in the guard pool, so it's not it's not a given. I think I got to go old school K-pop and go. What's his name? Psy with the Gangnam Style, and we're going back ten years. I know now. that one. <laughs> that's, a, that's ancient Did history. Did he start all this? Is that is that who we can uh, trace it back to? Well, he was the <laughs> first one to reach uh, like a billion in YouTube viewers. So he, probably he yeah. deserves credit. So yeah. either that or blame, whichever you prefer, huh? Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you talk about things that get under your skin. Uh, this thing really gets under my skin. We read the Buker quotes in an anonymous Eastern Conference scout. Yeah. Uh, the the Jazz or, or Mitchell is uh, one first round exit away from going to New York for whatever reason. I'm not from here, but I've lived here for three decades now. And that really, really bugs me. Just, I can't explain particularly or articulate why. But when I see this, I just want to punch a wall. And I figure an Eastern Conference scout, that means somebody's son who isn't doing much. So the dad gives him a job to go watch Patriot League basketball. Uh, But doesn't, I mean, you're a Western guy. Doesn't that bug you? Yeah, it does, and there. I think what you brought up is true. Who, who? I mean, anonymous East scout could be any number of people. Teams have a lot of scouts, and you know, it could be a New York Knicks scout for all we know, um, or a Brooklyn Nets scout for all we know. And there may not be any value to what he's saying. It could be somebody who has really no um, no input organizationally in whatever team he works for. But the fact that it's in an article with a guy who's been a national reporter for years and then it gets picked up by all the Twitter accounts like NBA Central or whatever they're called where they just, you know, blast those quotes out and all of a sudden it becomes a trending Twitter topic and, you know, everybody's got to talk about it. And so 
this this just could be the random opinion of you know Joe Scout who who has no say in terms of um, decisions and who has no influence in Donovan Mitchell's mind, and now it's a national story. Um, <laughs> so the way that these things snowball, I think, is very frustrating. Um, you know, I'm sure it's frustrating within the Jazz front office too, because then they potentially have some fires to put out. Um, and and the other thing is, is this has happened so many times with so many small markets where the star does eventually force his way out. And we've seen it a lot recently. And so I think there's at least a, a, a fear in the back of everybody's head that that could happen with Donovan Mitchell. And, and maybe it does. Um, but as far as that specific report goes, it, you just, you just have to throw something out there and all of a sudden it turns into this big national thing that everybody's talking about. So I, I think there's a, you know, a more than likely chance that that was just blown wildly out of proportion. The timeline isn't right. I mean, we all know the dynamics and how it works, but he's got a five-year deal. The fifth year's an option. There's four years yeah. left, which means after three years, he could leverage his way out. But they're in year one. It seems like this story is off by at least two and a half years, unless this is a weird story and it isn't like how the NBA usually works. Unless, unless he wants to be Ben Simmons. And <clears throat> I just... If you're if you're an NBA player and you have watched how the Ben Simmons saga has played out, I can't imagine many players and their agents would think, yeah, let's let's take that route. Um, that certainly seems to have panned out for Ben Simmons because he you know he's at the beginning of an extension too. Um, I, I just think what he's doing is is exceptionally rare and is going to continue to be exceptionally rare. We may be in the era of player empowerment. But the way that you just laid it out is is true. He's under contract for a long time, um, so it's uh, the way you put it is perfect. It's just way too early for that. Well, Andy, we'd like to talk a little more K-pop with you, but it turns out we're right up against it on on break time, so I'll have to leave that for next time. That's and our, our demographic is really into it too, so I know they're just bitterly disappointed. Okay, I'll, I'll have an essay from my sister-in-law next time. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Andy. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Andy Bailey covers the NBA for Bleacher Report. When we come back, we're giving away tickets to see the Utah Jazz and the Golden State Warriors. we got a pair of tickets to give away to their game a week from tomorrow, February 9th, here at Vivint Arena. We'll give those tickets away, and we'll get you up to date on everything you missed in this show, including Ken Pomeroy and where he thinks BYU is going to slot into the NCAA tournament. DJ and PK, we'll get to that next. Stay with us. This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. The rules in any sport are not perfect, but I love it when teams go right to let's blame the rules and forget about the rest of the darn game. Remember that uh, what was a perceived pass interference call with the Saints game that yeah. they wouldn't right. shut up about for two years? Right. We get focused on, oh, the rules are bad. No, they're not. You're bad. Yeah, correct. Again, You're somebody, bad. so many of the things can be fixed by just making the stop. For, for people today to be like, change the overtime yeah. rules, you're ignoring badness decisions. You're ignoring bad play. Look at them letting Kansas City score with 13 seconds left to go. Uh, them throwing it to Travis Kelsey. Of course they're going to throw it to Travis Kelsey. Correct. You're not guarding that guy? Yes. Here, Jake Scott and Ben Anderson every day from 10 to noon on 97.5 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSLSports.com <laughs> a.m. 
a.m. Slacker Radio Headlines brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call or visit Lee'sHeatAC.com now to schedule a free in-home estimate or a free second opinion. All right, early this morning, we qualified one of you to win a big screen TV. Watch the games from Beijing on that, baby. We'll have another qualifier tomorrow morning. They'll have qualifiers the rest of the day. We also gave away Jazz Warrior tickets at 8.30, and we're going to do that again right now. Two more tickets to see the Jazz and Warriors. A week from tomorrow, February 9th. No, that'd be a week. Is that a week from tomorrow? Yes, a week from tomorrow, February 9th. At Vivint Arena, Jazz are hosting the Warriors. Two tickets right now to Caller 12, 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. We have talked Joe Ingles' memories this morning. Maybe that was his last game as a Jazz man. Maybe there'll be some kind of one-year deal, and he'll be back sometime next year. We'll see how that plays out. He's a free agent at the end of the year. He could be traded. We just just had Andy Bailey on, and Andy talking about it. Well, he still has the expiring contract, so there could be some market out there. doesn't bring anything on the basketball court now with the torn ACL, but the expiring contract could still work for some teams. So we'll see how that plays out. But... For the fans, they can leave that business to the front office. They can just think back. Awesome memories of Joe. And a lot of people said, wearing a handband, headband. Headband Joe. A lot of people went to the radio show. They love listening to him every week. A lot of people went to Slow Mo Joe. Which I think is so overblown. Do you think the playoff series is overblown? Because a lot of people said getting in playoff P's head and the Jazz beating Oklahoma City. That was probably his shining moment individually. But these last two seasons were really fantastic. Not this one, but the two before that. And in the way I look at him, you got contributions, but then you also have value, which I think you can have more value than the actual contribution. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, that's when I think when we just heard Mike Conley say intangibles. I think that's what you're getting at. He was a guy that started, well, then we bring Conley over. Sorry, Joe, you got to come off the bench. No, no problem. And he responded, and but then Conley's out a little bit, and that first season he was out a bunch. Probably. So you need to be move back in. Probably heard no him a little bit in the sixth man of the year voting because he had so many starts. If that matters to him. Right. Uh, but yeah, and... And then when he he broke out onto the scene, I can remember texting with him and saying, Joe, I am so happy for you. This is just incredible. You know, I, I met you, and you had a good sense of humor. You were glib. <clears throat> you were willing to do it. You liked the give and take. And you liked the give and take to where you can talk about other stuff rather than how you defended or played the pick and roll, mm-hmm. which is what most post-game stuff is. Yeah. And you get it. And he can, he can do that. Right. He prefers the other stuff. Right. He's not actually a great post game interview. As someone who's tried to get post game interviews out of him, it's not his favorite thing. As he got more established. Right. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> he got to wait to get established. Yeah. But I mean, he likes. We talk about Australia. You remember? Hey, how how long does it take if you're going to go to Australia? How long do you need? Well, you know, I've thought about this, and I've decided you got to have at least two weeks. You know, that has nothing to do with anything, and just just his journey. 
And when he started to make it as a basketball player, and it was obvious, hey, he's going to be a player. I never had any idea. I thought it would be a one- or two-year deal, and then he'd ride off in the sunset like so many of them do. That's normally how Uh, NBA life works for most players. And here we are eight years later, and when it was obvious, wow, he's really worked on his game, and he's a valuable asset to a really good team, I, I was having a text exchange with him, and when it became, okay, you're here to stay, I said, Joe, this is just absolutely awesome. <laughs> I said, I'm so happy for you to be an NBA player. Uh, and I also said, you know, as far as a personality in the community, I think you owe me some free lodging if I go to Australia. Because <laughs> <laughs> Mel- certainly the show helped make him into that. Melbourne, hook me up. Yeah, and I would think somewhere along the line in my life, hopefully knock on wood, that that would be accomplished. I mean, I would love to be there. I've never gone there. You went there for work. I've never been there. I would love. Who would? Yeah, I didn't get to go to Melbourne. I went to Sydney. It was oh, awesome. Yeah. And he says Sydney. That's the JV city. Okay, Mel- Melbourne's well, where it's well, at. Sure. He says. Wouldn't you like Sid- to go there? Sydney was spectacular. Yeah, my wife has a uh, has a friend from. No, college it's her best there. friend. You told Joe is her best friend. It is. You guys meet. They meet at the food court and they discuss boys. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, her. Uh, no, you said you told Joe was her, your best, her best friend. Her kid called the show, and Joe thought it was I a put on, and that's why I had to tell him. Now it's like they were. They were her best friend, you know, at, at her age. Yeah, they still meet. And they talk about boys, and they hang out at the, at the mall at the food court. <laughs> that doesn't even make any sense. She lives literally a half a world away. Yeah, but if you're gonna have a best friend in your 40s and 50s, that's what it's got to be. Your best it friend. Really doesn't. There's no such thing as a best friend when you that's, that's, that's high school stuff. Or when you're 19 in college. Mm, first Still or second a teenager. year. Yeah. But then you want to branch out. You want to have a bunch of friends. She man. did have a bunch of friends. Yeah. Well, then well, why single out one? That's rude. <laughs> a total disregard for the other feelings. What about Sharon? What about Melinda? You just make this stuff up. <laughs> you just totally blew those ladies off. How'd you know my wife was friends with Melinda Gates? That's incredible. Because you got money. My mother told me when I was a kid, money, money loves, loves money. Yeah. Come on, you got to growl when you say it. <laughs> Give us the full shtick. Because I knew you, you were be halfway in. You've lectured me on this many times. Money loves money. So, of course, she's friends money with Bill Gates' wife. You got a big TV. I don't. He said, if I want to make money, I got to get. I have a sign for my television. Mm-hmm. It says uh, objects appear smaller than they actually are. Tiki <laughs> <laughs> lives in a house full of miniatures. The roof's only five feet tall. He has to duck down at all times. Well, when you live in a small trailer, what are you going to do? <laughs> the chair is about 14 inches wide. Yeah, I'm like, buddy. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Buddy the elf. That's where I was going. So I drew my inspiration. He's oversized. So we had a lot of Joe memories, and we'll get some of them coming up next in your feedback. We had Ken Pomeroy on, and he gave as many opinions on college basketball. He thinks BYU's on track to be a 7, 8, or 9 seed. Like you, he doesn't expect the West Coast Conference to be a four-team league. They'll beat each other up, and then they play uh, a team and they beat them, but their ranking's so bad that it pulls them down anyway. USF looks like that fourth team right now that would be in the most danger. But he does think that the Big 12, and he's run the numbers, will still be the best basketball league in the country, even after all the shuffling for football. But Houston's 18-2 and right now. Yeah, I know. So you're running the numbers now. You're not running the numbers then, although I agree with them, but you're running the numbers now. Yeah. 
And he said that, uh, well, he actually said he ran them last summer, although Houston was good last year, too. Well, they were. Yeah, right, so uh, there you go. They were coming and, off a of Final Four. And appearance. for all the, the give and take, uh, Kansas isn't going anywhere, and Baylor isn't going anywhere, so you got some pretty good teams. Yeah, they're very, very solid. You've got multiple teams going to Final Fours recently, not years ago, recently. I'm looking at you, Texas Tech. Texas Tech, yeah. That's yeah. another program. Got it going. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I think it's really important for BYU to establish some NCA momentum. Get the word out. Transfer portal. Kids who would never have thought at 18 to consider BYU. And not some, like, I don't want to disparage guys, but like some lower level guys. I'm talking about a better form of transfer, a better caliber is a better word. And, okay, you're going to go to the tournament. You're going to have, on bad nights, you're going to have 12,000. Mm-hmm. On good nights, what's it up to 18,000? They remodel the thing, whatever it's And you're going to be in a league that's going to have six, seven, yeah. eight, whatever it is, teams in the NCAA right. tournament. Right, and you're going to be all splattered all over ESPN, too. And one thing, and all these guys that you're talking about are going to have NBA dreams, whether they pull it off or not. And one, there, there are many things NBA people look at, but they always look at your stats and then separate your stats versus NCAA teams. So the more NCAA yeah. teams you get to play, the bigger the sample size, the more confidence scouts have in what they're seeing. Although if you can go overseas for six, seven years and make good a lot money, of money. I mean, that's a good fallback plan, but the dream is the NBA. I understand that, but that's... I would imagine that'd be fun. Yeah. I've never been to Europe. See the world and make a ton of cash along the way. Come back with great stories. Everybody who plays overseas has outstanding Well, Pace Manion stories. was telling his son's driving around in a Porsche or something. <laughs> yeah. He's 20 years old, right? Yeah. Because he's getting this and that paid for, and he's playing on the Italian league team. In addition to the cash, you often get a place to live and a car, mm. which are usually your two biggest expenses. So now what are you spending the cash on? Uh, yeah, I don't know that I've ever been in a Porsche, let alone drive one. <laughs> <laughs> and this kid's 20 years old. Really, and I know for him, it's the goal is the NBA. But from my perspective, so what? <laughs> it's still pretty sweet the way it is. I mean, obviously I get it, and that's what you want. It's a disappointment if you don't get it, and we'll see what happens with that individual. But the rest of them, you know, and, and plus you get the experience uh, – a lot of these kids, they've never done that. Yeah. And, and and you're not on your own. You're not landing in Stockholm. What do I do now? You know what I mean? they got people there to set you up. and So, yeah, I think it's really important for BYU to get some NCAA success. The sooner, the better. And if they can do it this year and then do it again next year, I think that sends a strong message because they've got to up their level of talent when they get in this conference, just to survive, let alone compete. I'm talking about you surviving. Turn, you could turn into a punching bag pretty quickly because everybody's so good. If you're not at a high level, then you're out man night after night after night. Yeah, and we're not even talking about a team right now that's sort of middle West Virginia. It's a hard slog. Yeah. It's a lot of good players and a lot of good teams. And then these road trips? Brutal. And they're not getting any better. Cincinnati, West Virginia, right? Or, or Central Florida's in Orlando. I mean, these are far right. Right. Road this trips. isn't Vegas and San Diego here. Right. It's not flying to the or, Bay Area or, and playing or, two games, or, like or the Pac-12. flying to LA and playing two games, which yeah. both the West Coast Conference and the Pac-12. In Arizona, do. you can bus. Yeah. It's not that far, uh, but here, you know, the, that and that going to airports, sitting around, blah blah blah, having having to get up early to get the plane. As a writer. 
That gassed me. Right. Now I would think the teams are flying <laughs> charter. I just can't imagine that they could be commercial and pull that off. Every flight for BYU? That'd be great if Well, we there's fewer flights because I think they'll be playing a lot of home games in the non-conference. They're only going to play half. In I'm the talking non- about non-conference. Yeah, but Once I'm talking about conference. Once you get to conference, I would think most of them are going to be are going to be charters. Maybe not all. I mean, we're talking eight, nine, ten games, depending on how they decide to format the league. No, I'm talking basketball. What right. Talking? Eight, nine, or ten, depending on where they play 16, 18, or 20 oh, conference they're games. they're not just going to play 16. I wouldn't think so. No. I would think 18 is the number. But you can wiggle it two games either way. I would think twenties. I would think twenties way more likely than sixteen. Yeah, that, that that doesn't seem near enough. So they got a lot at stake here over this. Uh, got about a. Uh, I think yep. the regular season ends the end of the month. Ken Palm said seven, eight, or nine seed is where he thinks BYU is tracking right now, even with those two losses this uh, this past week. And Pope's got to soak some more money out of BYU, so do well and get some other offers. There you go. Now you're talking. <laughs> it's the threat of offers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Let's go, guys. I need another new deal. Let's hit some shots. Yeah, really, for sure. Although, really, I think the question with them is defending. Mountain West Conference, he said three or four bids. West Coast Conference, three or four bids. Pac-12, three bids. He thinks that's how it's most likely to shake out. I think the Pac-12 is going to get four. Someone else is going to win the tournament, or Oregon is just going to keep bringing it, and they are yeah. going to get across the line. Gets, get a few more wins, and we'll just blow off that early season. Thing. He did say Oregon, trending well, but yeah. they got a lot yeah. of ground to make up. It's uh, a bad start. Yeah, but they've got two road wins against top 10 teams. All right. <laughs> and they got a rep. You can say and the conference is a rep. I yeah. really believe you can computerize it all you want, but... Leagues have established themselves well, as what level of bid are the, they? With the top 10, and they've got, they've got three more shots, and they've got USC and UCLA, so they'll have to go up to Oregon and play. Yeah. They did the L.A. trip. Which they swept. It went well. <laughs> and now they get them at home. Which and is then, great for BYU. And maybe they just win the conference tournament and then remove all possibility. doubt. Yeah. All right, that's a lot of what we have been talking about. And, of course, Tom Brady retired early in the show as well. Made it official, went to Instagram, did the post, and Adam Schefter takes the victory lap. Apparently, that was some show that he's on that he was going to announce it, and that's how ESPN found out about it. Ah. And so it was planned he was going to do it there, and somebody who's involved with that told the dude, the Darlington dudes down in Florida— Born in Jersey, but went uh, grew up uh, went to college in Florida, and told them, him, and that's how they got it. And so then Tom said, "Well, it's already out there, so I'll just announce it." And there it is. Yeah. Somebody's always willing to talk. That's always been my belief. When we come back, your feedback next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Feedback of the day is brought to you by Thrive Appliance. Every day is like a holiday sale at Thrive Appliance. Save 40 to 70% off name brand appliances. Thrive is receiving truckloads of new inventory every day. Visit thriveappliance.com to shop their updated inventory. 
Joe Ingles finishes his contract season after suffering a torn ACL. If he's done with the Jazz, what's your favorite memory, and how should he be remembered? And Spencer says, nothing less than a statue. Ooh. I would bet against that. A statue for a role player? No. That's the, that's the phenomenal thing, is he's basically a role player. At times, he's been a high-level role player. But to have so much acclaim, mm-hmm. it clearly goes beyond the court. Points, rebounds, yeah. whatever. Yeah. It clearly goes beyond the court to the emotional. I don't know that we've ever had this in the in the thirty years I've lived here. To this level, Hornacek. I mean, that's always. But he was an all star. Not in Utah. Nevertheless, one time in Phoenix, yes, and he was a starter. He was the third best player on the team. And they went to the finals. This team hasn't gotten out of the second round. That's fact. There's nothing that compares. Thurl. His team's never got out of the second round. I don't... Oh, well, that's because they played the Lakers. Yeah. Never got out of the second round, though. Because <laughs> they played the Warriors. <laughs> well, one time. Yeah. Not last year. Well, the Jazz only played the Lakers one time in that era in the 80s. Right, but that's the time that I mean, they... they, had, they that's had a, the, literally the best team they've ever had. They, they had a bunch of teams. And Thurl won an NCAA title. Thurl was not a role player. Did he come off the bench? So what? Mikhail okay. came off the bench. John Havlicek <laughs> came off the bench. These are Hall of Fame guys. The, you you dismiss, and that has pissed me off too a lot. Uh-huh. I think Thurl never got his due as a player. Turkish. Love Joe on the court. But the devotion he shows for his family, and specifically for autism research, is how he should be remembered. That and his constant trash talk. <laughs> That seems opposite ends of the spectrum there. The devotion to the autism, I think once they came to grips with, okay, this is what we've got, mm-hmm. and how he went to work at that point, and his wife too. You know, I think he talked about, he came on our show talking about, he had a little self-pity for a little bit. You know, what? why do I even want to play ball? I got to do this and blah, blah. I think once, and it probably takes a while. I've not been in that situation. Everybody's got their own issues. Uh, but when he came to grips with it, then to see him go to work, and to this day, still going to work. Clinton Pete says, my favorite moment was when Dante Exum was skittish in the paint and finally took it through traffic for an emphatic dunk. And Joe said, about bleeping time, kid. <laughs> yeah, isn't that funny? He was thought of to be a babysitter to this uh-huh. 18-year-old kid. And that didn't work out. And meanwhile, Joe goes from, well, he's the fifth best forward to he's the fourth best forward to the, well, he's the third best forward to the, uh, could you run the pick and roll? Uh, could you spot him and hit the three? Could you start because Mike yeah. Conley is out? That's a, that's a big upgrade from, well, he's the fifth best forward. And, you know, it's an Australian guy. Maybe it'll help X him adjust a little bit, you know. Our big high pick. Yeah. Uh, 2014, which seems like 100 years ago, uh, to where he is now, to where he's what, made 50, 60 million, something like that probably. Well, fifty million in this contract plus whatever he made before that. So, yeah, that's you're probably pushing sixty. Yeah, wow. Yeah. It's a phenomenal story. It's sad that it ends, but at the same time, it's awesome that it happened. That's fact. <laughs> Jazz guy, Joe memories, Exum's chaperone, Paul George's daddy, and substitute math teacher to all. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Couldn't he be a substitute math teacher? Show in uh, these Mr. days. Pretty much, on the board. <laughs> pretty much anybody can be a substitute math teacher. They are hurting for substitutes right now. I 
have been a substitute teacher and or, could be uh, again if you'd like to be. I don't want to be. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, I did my time. I was a year and a half. I did uh, time as a substitute. One time, I was doing a PE class, and it was Peoria, and it was on the west side. And there wasn't much around it. And it's built up now, but there was fields around it. And one time, a gal comes walking out of the field, holding a, a, a classmate, a boy's PE shorts, and twirling them in the air. And I think. Okay, this is trouble. <laughs> I'm in trouble. <laughs> I ended up with a long-term sub gig because the teacher got really sick and he knew me, so I ended up doing it for like three months. And I had an in. I knew the principal real well. Your sister? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Nepotism. There it is. Why didn't she have to be a principal? I actually, I knew the guy, I worked with him at Phoenix Parks and Rec. We used to deliver sound systems and set them up in the parks. And a lot of those guys, that was their second job. And that's where I got to meet the guy. All right, DJ and PK, we're all done. Wrapping it up for the day. Jake and Ben are warming up, getting ready to go. They're next right here on The Zone Sports Network.